0: For KOSU, I'm Michael Cross. It's time for This Week in Oklahoma Politics, along with Republican political consultant Neva Hill and ACLU Oklahoma Executive Director Ryan Kiesel joining me over Zoom video conference. President Trump is moving forward with his rally at the BOK Center in Tulsa this weekend, despite concerns from health officials. The campaign did make some changes to include moving the event from Friday to Saturday to not be insensitive to Juneteenth celebrations and announced plans to hand out masks and sanitizers, although attendees won't be required to use them. Neva, what do you think about the president's visit to Oklahoma?
1: Well, I think uh, I think the president of the united states is always welcome uh, In oklahoma regardless of who the president is I think we've seen uh, Through the through the years many times that presidents have come have attended rallies have attended special events And in this instance obviously in the climate that we're in the fact that this will be the first time that the president has uh, resumed his rallies uh, since the uh, uh, the pandemic and and the uh, the basically the shutdown of, of the country, um, it will be certainly a, a rally that will receive a lot of national attention, much more so than normal. And I think that it will uh, clearly show that Oklahoma is a strong a red state. Uh, it's Trump country, uh, and as we've seen by the numbers, uh, the sheer interest in Folks wanting to get a ticket to come to the rally um, With the event with the entry beginning at 10 o'clock in the morning on saturday Even though the event doesn't actually start until seven that evening I think demonstrates that uh, that this is a place where uh, donald trump will receive a very warm reception uh, When he arrives on saturday
2: ryan Yeah, it's it's almost like we did the shutdown for nothing at this point. I mean all of the pain all of the misery that Oklahoma's small businesses and individuals and employees and healthcare workers and everybody <clears throat> underwent with our decision to shut our state down, uh, shut our nation down, which Oklahoma never fully participated anyways as a result of weak leadership in the governor's office. Um, it's like we're doing that for nothing. We're watching multiple day peaks of COVID uh, positive tests and you know Tulsa County being a hotbed among them and the president doesn't care the governor doesn't seem to care the state the state health commissioner was asked do you think that this is wise to move forward with an event like this and he said it's not my place to say well if the state health commissioner can't say it who the heck can say it i mean what what we're seeing here is a <clears throat> very political decision it's a complete failure of leadership um you know the the move the moving from friday to saturday you know does does nothing uh with regard to the very context of this speech you know, this this is a speech to the to the, the, the most far right of trump space uh, in the shadow of the Tulsa race massacre uh, in the context of the juneteenth celebration and black liberation And that's where I hope that people will will put their attention this weekend not not on a president Who's trying to divide our nation right now? but on the celebrations that we're going to see on friday on juneteenth, uh, today Uh, And throughout this weekend about black liberation, that's where Oklahomans' intentions need to be, you know, not on the president and his cronies here in Oklahoma who are ready to make political points at the uh, at at the cost of Oklahoma's health.
1: Well, let's be clear, though. I mean, this is a rally. It is. Voluntary. Uh, if you want to participate, if you want to get a ticket, uh, the governor and the the uh, and other elected leaders have said, "Look, if you feel uncomfortable, don't come." I mean, it will be televised. Everyone will have an opportunity to view it if they choose to. Uh, we're in the political season of a presidential campaign, and all across the country, we are going to see events like this uh, begin to uh, happen with frequency. And I think in this instance, the president chose Oklahoma as the rollout of the first uh, of the first event after he uh, stopped back in March and I think when we when we look at a presidential visit I mean in real context I mean I don't care if it was Barack Obama, George W. Bush or Donald Trump I mean it is about an opportunity for it, for people, in the state that the president comes in that in that locale to have an opportunity Oftentimes a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see a president of the united states I think people respect the office even if they'd have you know disagreements with uh, a policy or other things that are that are going on and I think to To try to heighten the sensation that somehow this is a huge negative makes no sense at all
2: I don't think that president bush or president obama would have would make this trip uh, I, I just don't think that they would. And the reason he's here is because leaders like Governor Stitt and, and Mayor Bynum are rolling out the red carpet. Governor Stitt saying we've got enough ho- hospital beds. But really what he's saying there is we've got places for people to die. Uh, I mean, that's where we're at. It's, it's we're just ignoring the public health risk that this poses to the people of Oklahoma.
0: The Norman City Council votes to cut police funding by $865,000. The decision came after hours of discussion and Public comment, including the consideration of an amendment to cut funding by four and a half million dollars, which could have resulted in 64 jobs cut from the department. Ryan, did Norman go far enough, in your opinion?
2: Absolutely not. I mean, they didn't go far enough. But but first, let's give some some uh, some congratulations to to Mayor Clark, uh, her many allies on the city council. You know, a lot of these votes uh, to reallocate funding. Um, You know, let's not talk about it. as cuts its reallocation of funding from the police department to other community outreach services Um, Those were those were brave votes and uh, a couple of them were unanimous and if they weren't unanimous, they were overwhelming Uh, This this meeting went into four in the morning with people from all over Norman coming and and testifying before the city council and Really what this is is that it's the first instance in Oklahoma because we had Oklahoma City basically passed the same budget that the police had last year, uh, Tulsa actually increased the police department's budget. But it was Norman leadership in Norman, under Mayor Clark and her allies on the council, that said we're ready to have a serious conversation about reimagining public safety in the city of Norman. I mean, that's 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 a huge deal. I mean, the idea that when you pick up the phone and call nine one one, it doesn't always have to be a person with a gun. Showing up and escalating a situation that we need social workers and public health care workers that they need to be more often the first line responders than police uh, police officers. So this is a, a big first step in reimagining, but it certainly shouldn't be seen as the last step. Neither. I,
1: I think this is absolutely outrageous. I mean, and it is about cuts to public safety in Norman, Oklahoma. I mean, when you when you have uh, after you say Ryan, I and mean, it was true, a nine or twelve hour. Uh, a long meeting, a pre-meeting uh, study study session, and then this expanded meeting that went till four o'clock in the morning, even with all of the input back and forth, to have the council uh, take $300,000 from the department's patrol budget to community outreach and development, to have a total cut of and to suggest that this is some sort of reasonable approach uh, to beginning to kind of have this complete shift in thinking about how we are going to uh, have a police department in one of the largest metropolitan cities in the state of Oklahoma. I think it opens up Pandora's box. I think that it is uh, unfortunate that there could could not have been an opportunity to have more discussion in a more reasonable way uh, to to suggest that uh, uh, that this is about defunding and demilitarizing the police department uh, to talk about uh, taking school resource Officer programs out of the schools because they promote racist policies I mean, there's just uh, there was more heightened rhetoric uh, With a very left-leaning bent on that council to go this direction And I think it's regrettable because I think uh, it continues the polarization That we're seeing all across the nation as everyone rises up in in these efforts to have this swift uh, almost knee-jerk reaction uh, to Uh, What we're going to do from the perspective of law enforcement, rather than cooler heads prevailing and trying to have a discussion that has better results long term for the citizens that they serve and protect.
0: Uh, Ryan, do you think that uh, the eyes of this nation are going to be on Norman a little bit when now that they're they're basically setting an example of what happens when you do cut funds to the police department?
2: Yeah, and, and I want to be clear. What we're talking about here is divestment and reinvestment. I mean, this is different than defunding. Uh, you know, Defunding is, is more of an abolition model, and I've, I've seen many media outlets ref, uh, report this as defunding, and it's just not. I mean, this is a, a very small, and in fact, a too small cut to the Norma Police Department budget. We're going to see police unions uh, in Oklahoma and around the nation try to Uh, You know make this out as you know, some failure in public safety Uh, and they're going to try to point to some incident that will probably happen um, And would have happened regardless and use that as political fodder It's it's important to remember that when we look at the facts police officers just do not disrupt Criminal activity the way that we've been told that they do. I mean, they just don't and uh, to continue to invest in a model that does uh has that has racist underpinnings and has racist outcomes uh you know that and then continue to scratch our heads whenever we see uh black people murdered in this nation at the hands of law enforcement we've got to do something different and the best way to do that is to completely reimagine our police forces this is again one small step of course the the unions like i said they're going to come out with their with their political knives here but i think it's important for norman to continue down this road uh rather than to backtrack
1: you know when you look at the three amendments that were passed one one of those amendments that was the $235,000 reduction in police salaries and benefits the money would be used to create an internal auditor position to monitor police overtime now think about think about that and and i think this again speaks to the idea that it's not just about going full full throttle one direction or the other it's about if you're going to talk about uh, looking about community outreach and development programs and needs and certainly the issues of uh, de-escalating uh, and the issues of mental health needs uh, and more, more reinforcement with personnel in, in those areas, all of those things are legitimate talking points. But to to take a meat axe, and, and, and really that is the beginning of what we see, when you start cutting a police bu- department budget this significantly in one, one fiscal year, you can see how that, is, uh, how that kind of sets the stage for so much more going down the road. And I think what it speaks to for the citizens of Norman, Oklahoma, just like any community that has to uh, uh, watch the council make these decisions and take these types of votes, is do they agree with it, Or will they make a wholesale change at some point in the people that they elect to represent them on these councils?
0: A new political action committee forms to oppose State Question 802 Americans for Prosperity. State Director John Tidwell is serving as chairman of the Vote No on 802 Association. The group plans to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to stomp the measure to expand Medicaid in Oklahoma. Neva, the group has about a week and a half. So is it too little too late? (laughs)
1: Well, I mean, it it remains to be seen. Obviously, uh, we'll know on June 30th. But certainly, with this this state question having been out there, having an organized group uh, working on it now for months and months, to have an opposition group weigh in at the last minute, regardless of the, the of the uh, level of spending that they're going to uh, 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 that they're going to have it will be a real challenge to get that message out. Now, will it, uh, will it be a case of just uh, giving clarity to the issue so that voters who have not made a decision, if they are presented with information and uh, have a, a strong argument that this is not good uh, to put it in the state constitution, that it does force uh, Medicaid expansion in a, in a, in a way that, uh, that the voter might not agree with, that's going to be the challenge. But we have more than three dozen very large uh, organized groups across the state of Oklahoma, the Medical Association, Nurses Nurses Association, uh, the Greater Oklahoma City Chamber, the largest Native American tribes, a, a very forceful coalition uh, out in uh, uh, in support of State Question 802. So uh, the, the polling certainly still indicates that... Uh, uh more than 50% some say as high as 60% plus uh support 802 but at the end of at the end of all of the conversation money can still be spent in a very concentrated period of time and we have seen elections turn very quickly on state questions within a, within the matter of 10 you know 10 days or two weeks so it's not impossible and we'll see what their message is and how successful they are at rolling it out very quickly
2: right yeah, it, it does seem like too little too late um, I mean one of if you think about you know, the the money has to come from somewhere um, The Americans for prosperity. That's the the Koch brothers um, You know, so we're assuming that you know Some of that money at least that we're seeing coming out of this pack is coming from you know, Koch brother related organizations um, I, I'm just I, you know, frankly I'm, I'm a little impressed that anybody was able to go to folks that have deep pockets And Convince them to write a check uh, To fund a pack this late in the game Uh, Especially when the poll numbers seem solidly in favor of 802 as Neva said uh, and the Oklahoman reports You know there there are nearly three dozen health religious Civic engagement organizations and other groups that have endorsed 802 Um, You know this, you know the the state's largest tribes. I mean this is um, And and just regular Oklahomans. I mean if you look at the number of Oklahomans, that have endorsed this through their signature to put it on the ballot. I mean, it was, it was a it was a near or record number of people that uh, that Amber England, the campaign manager for 802, reports, uh, you know, wrote their name on the line and said, "We want to vote on this." I mean, that in and of itself is an endorsement and, a, and an incredibly powerful one because what they see is, you know, we're 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 sending millions and millions of dollars to other states Oklahoma's healthcare is lagging rural hospitals are closing and others are threatened to close uh, On the horizon You know, this is a, a critical way to bring federal dollars back to oklahoma and invest directly in our peep in our people uh, And in particular in rural oklahoma to make sure that if you get sick uh, or, or you you know, some of these commercials they you know, they show folks wanting to deliver a baby uh, You don't have to drive hundreds of miles uh, to do that. And that's that's kind of the situation that we're in for a lot of Oklahomans and more Oklahomans are under that threat every single day So I think that this is too little too late if uh, and you know, it seems more than anything else Like they said, all right, well, we've got some extra money laying around. Let's let's throw it at this and, and see what happens uh, Probably nothing will happen except for you know, a handful of consultants will will cash some checks and you know, I get I guess good for them
1: well, but let's also uh, keep it in keep it in a uh, real context here. Oklahomans, regardless of their point of view on this matter, uh, have every right and have the opportunity to spend money for or against any state question and this is what makes the process um, this is what makes the process good is when we have information from both sides out there so voters can make intelligent decisions they have information they can take time to educate themselves on the on the various points of view and come to a conclusion of what they believe whether this should be passed or whether it should be opposed, and you know where those funds come from. If they choose to weigh in in the last ten days, rather than have a more deliberative campaign over weeks or months, that's their choice. And I, you know, I always applaud uh, groups and individuals who are willing to step up and make their case for or against uh, a state question, or support or oppose uh, a candidate, uh, uh, if they. uh, uh, opposing points of view or supporting points of view
2: totally agree though. I mean, I I you know I I welcome folks weighing in on these campaigns. I think that state questions are among the last vestiges of real public discourse Uh in our democratic process, you know the the conversations that we have about discrete public policy matters During ballot measures are, are so important. Um, and and you know, I welcome everybody on all sides to weigh in on that stuff I just think that this is money, you know, poorly spent. I mean, I I think that, you know, you know, thinking that you're going to be able to influence the outcome of something that has this much strength and momentum this late in the game, to me, you know, if, if I had a, if I had the Koch brother money, uh, which I do not, but if I did, uh, first I would make a donation to KOSU. uh, (laughs) And then second, I would spend it in races that I thought that I might actually be able to influence.
0: A court dispute between uh, between Oklahoma County and uh, Cleveland County results in a woman being behind bars for more than a month without being able to post bail. Janet Neal has been sitting in the Oklahoma County Jail since May 13th because officials are refusing to get her to the Cleveland County Jail to face charges of drug possession, even though a judge forbids this practice. Ryan, what's
2: going on here? I mean, so, so this woman is in Oklahoma County jail. She's being represented by, and I, just, you know, the, I think the dynamics of this are really interesting to demonstrate that this, this broken criminal justice system that we exist under, um, uh, you know, creates all sorts of strange bedfellows. And so, you know, now you've got on one side, the Oklahoma city police department, um, that are, you know, arresting folks in Cleveland County, because, you know, keep in mind, Oklahoma city goes beyond just Oklahoma County. Uh, it goes into I think, to four other counties. Um, you know, ask Mayor Holt. That's that's not an easy thing to, to contend with, but it does. Part of Oklahoma City goes into Cleveland County. Folks who are arrested in Cleveland County for offenses that are, you know, triable uh, in Cleveland County in the, in the criminal justice system there. But when they're arrested, OKCPD, take them to the Oklahoma County Jail. And then Cleveland County, who are the prosecuting authorities, they're the judges, they're your juries, uh, they should be your jailers they don't know anything about this person. And so you end up in this strange limbo. Uh, you would think that the Oklahoma City Police Department would say, oh, hey, this is this is an easy fix. Let's fix this. You would think that the Oklahoma County Sheriff would say, you know, I want one less or, or a lot fewer people in my county jail. Let's send them down to Cleveland County where they belong so that they can get out of jail faster. She's in jail right now for a $15,000 bond on a drug charge. That's just dumb that she's in jail to begin with. But now you've got Republic, former Republican state representative and a Republican registered judge, Thad Bachman, telling the Oklahoma City Police Department, bring this woman to Cleveland County. You've got a former Republican district attorney who is her defense lawyer now saying, bring this woman to Cleveland County. And then on the other side, you've got OKCPD uh, saying, you know, we're, we're trying to we're actually fighting Judge Bachman's order. And the and the Oklahoma County Sheriff's office is just throwing his hands up in the air and not saying anything. It's, it's, it's a really bizarre situation and I wish that it were isolated, but it's not. Neva.
1: Well, I agree. I agree, Ryan, that I wish it were, uh, isolated and (sighs) it's not. And clearly in this instance, we have a situation where judge Balkman's order challenges, basically a 30 year Oklahoma city, uh, Police Department practice. I mean, this has been going on for years and years and years. No one has got the folks to the table and got this fixed, got, got the uh, agreement. And when you talk about counties that, uh, that come within the Oklahoma City boundaries we actually have ten counties that mm-hmm. that in in places uh, uh, are part of the Oklahoma City municipal limits so it is something that needs to be fixed uh, I think that uh, this coming to light right here at the end of a, a political campaign time where you have uh, sheriff's races uh, sheriff's race going on in uh, uh, Oklahoma County uh, you have just this heightened Conversation going on about police in general. I think that uh, for folks that hear and read and pay attention to details like this, uh, they're going to step back and pause and say, "Why can't uh, all of the parties that uh, are responsible come together, or why can't uh, the folks just uh, follow this district judge uh, district judge's administrative order?" and uh, do what should be done uh, to make it best for all parties. So we'll see whether this is uh, something that, they, that uh, they let try to um, kind of die out again, But for lack of a better description, in terms of just a practice that continues on until someone just puts enough attention on it that maybe there's a forced change. But it is something that everyone ought to take a look at, and we should see, hopefully, some resolution to the matter once and for all.
0: And 30 years ago, Oklahoma City was a lot smaller, Ryan. So making this uh, policy back then was much different than making it now when Oklahoma City is spread out again, as Neva said, over 10 counties.
2: Well, and, and 30 years ago, uh, we were arresting a lot fewer people. I mean, that's you know, we're we're really kind of at, at the zenith of the war on drugs right now. Uh, and e- even though we've seen some, you know, some incredible changes in criminal justice reform, you know, we see far too many people uh, that end up uh, arrested for jailable offenses that ought not to be jailable in the first place and probably ought not be offenses in the first place. And so um, the number of people that get caught up in this uh, and bail amounts have continued to rise uh, again, you know, bail should be there to make sure people show up for court, uh, which we know that there are better ways to do that than, than cash bail. Or if there's a public safety threat, if there's a public safety threat, why let somebody buy their way at all at all? keep them there if if there's a real public safety threat um but what what it is right now is that you're you're arrested uh you're thrown in jail and if you're if you're unlucky enough to be arrested by okcpd in cleveland county or any of these other counties you end up in a jail that's not even in the county that has jurisdiction over you uh and that that
1: really then that really is the bottom line mm -hmm. if you're in south oklahoma city you're arrested by an Oklahoma City police officer rather than rather than take that individual to Cleveland County, to Norman, to the uh, jail in Norman Norman. They take the, the person to the Oklahoma County jail. And that I mean, that seems like uh, at at the end of all of this conversation, it should be a fairly easy thing to remedy if everyone would just acknowledge what the proper. Uh, what, what what the proper uh, action should be in terms of where that person is taken right from the beginning.
2: And, and you know, I just add to that solution, take fewer people to jail to begin with.
0: Mm-hmm. There you go. And Ryan and Eva's comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the ACLU, KOSU, its staff or management. Programs like this are made possible through support from KOSU members who are listeners like you. Consider a gift to KOSU in support of This Week in Oklahoma Politics at KOSU.org.